before we begin, we just have a small message. A lot of you loved Rabia Khadr in season one, and we request all of you to please have a look at her organization at deansupportservices.ca. That's deansupportservices.ca. Dean is a registered Canadian charity and they're doing an amazing job. They serve all individuals with disabilities, regardless of religion, language, and culture. Please support them in whatever way you can. Also, I have to mention, this is not a paid promotion. We tell you this because it's a cause we believe in. This is Mifra Abid, and you're listening to Across Her Table, a podcast where we talk to amazing Canadian women with immigrant roots and how they're shaping the social narrative in this country. Join me as we talk to change makers from across Canada and listen to their remarkable stories. Today's guest is popular talk show host Kaval Ahmed. Kaval Full, as she's often known, hardly needs any introduction. A quick search on YouTube for conversations with Kaval will tell you just how watched and how loved her talk show is. In a world where everyone wants to talk, Kaval listens. Listens to the stories of countless everyday people and their struggles. It is perhaps that's what resonates with her audience, to see their own stories reflected through her show. Kaval perhaps knows that just telling these stories may be seen as an act of defiance because not everyone wants to confront hard truths. But here she is with two successful seasons under her belt and a third season all but ready for launch. But what is Kaval's story? I actually found out about Kaval through her social media account. Her witty Twitter burns were what drew me to her in the first place. Most people know her through Soul Sisters Pakistan but I connected with her over late-night lockdown Twitter scrolling, if that is even a thing. Kawal and I hit it off immediately with talk about some of her hilarious posts. I think the first um, Instagram post I came across of you is letting your hair down with, I believe it was your daughter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would never be so, uh, you know... <laughs> I would be so self-conscious doing something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that was the height of the pandemic for us. <laughs> you, you don't know for how long I laughed. I was like, seriously, I would never be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that was really great. And I think we all needed that kind of uh, comic relief during the height of the pandemic. I think we all needed it. I know, right? Oh my god, think, that was the uh, worst. One of the side effects of the pandemic is that we've stopped taking ourselves so seriously. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so too. I think that everything's it, it just showed us that everything can just stop. And, you know, there's nothing you'd be able to do to make it go back to normal. We are, after all, a podcast about journeys. So, Kaval, what brought you to Canada? My husband? <laughs> yeah. it's always the husbands isn't it yeah <laughs> how has the experience been so far you've been like one year in Canada now I mean yeah we we did a soft landing in 2018 after we got our immigration 
but i was still when i moved in april i was still spending more time in pakistan as opposed to canada so every like uh, if i was here for 5 months i would go back to pakistan for 2 months and then again for 3 months here and then 2 months there but since covid happened i've had to stay here i can't travel so um it's been great it's just that i have a very big network now in pakistan because i've been working there for 7 years and in canada i literally know nobody i mm-hmm. i'm i'm trying to get out there and meet people but again with covid it's very hard to start actually networking here and um you know as an immigrant as it is it's very hard to communicate um there's a big you know cultural barrier sometimes there's this uh, i don't know there's this i think a wall that sometimes also makes the most extroverted people introverts and um not that being introverted is a bad thing but just like it it makes it very difficult to be able to step outside of that you know comfort zone in an absolutely no new place where you know no one i completely agree with you because i've been here for about two and a half years and um it's like starting all your connections and networks from scratch all over again yeah yeah and sometimes i feel like even the kind of cultures that exist aren't very you know open to new immigrants and that's not something that's standard but it's just some some spaces they're not very welcoming to outsiders and that happens in pakistan as well it's not just about canada or the us it happens across the world when you're a newcomer it takes a while for you to break in because you know there's already a tight knit circle and there's the inner circle so you're still the outsider and it takes a while to sort of weave your way in yeah so actually my next question was going to be that you know most people on the podcast talk about their initial struggles uh when they move to canada but was it any different because you were already an established name back home in pakistan um yeah i mean it was a big big decision for me to move here because like i said i was leaving a lot behind and i i mean i still have but just that the fact that in pakistan i had so much to do i would be out and having meetings and like doing actual groundwork every day and here i was suddenly you know i mean mm-hmm. i didn't know anybody and i didn't have any friends initially like i was also not in toronto i was in kingston where i knew nobody not a single person mm-hmm. it was just like a little bit depressing and defeating i was like you know what i've been working so hard for so many years but what am i doing here i don't i don't know anybody and nobody's ever going to understand the work that i've done because they haven't seen my trajectory they haven't seen my growth they haven't seen the platforms i've created and even if they do see the platforms i've created they won't be able to relate to it so i was initially a little bit upset but you know things have started looking up and i'm exploring opportunities here now so yeah Kaul started a Facebook group in 2013 called Soul Sisters of Pakistan that became hugely popular with women in Southeast Asia. Facebook noticed the massive influence it was yielding and selected her for its community leadership program. She received a generous grant which she used to launch her own talk show in 2019. But of course, this is the kind of information you can get from Wikipedia. What is the real behind the scenes story like? 
Well, I started Soul Sisters Pakistan in 2013. Uh, back then, Facebook groups were still relatively new, or at least it was in Pakistan. I um, pretty much started it on a whim, but with a very focused value set in place. So I was personally looking for a space where I could just be myself, where I could speak to other women, and where other women could also come out in the open and talk about their issues because. Just before I started this Soul Sisters Pakistan, I used to also do uh, makeup and makeup classes. So every time I would have brides over, I would be, you know, do- doing their makeup and talking to them, and I'd find out so much about their lives and so much about, you know, the problems that they were going through. And I would wonder why it is that they have no one to talk about these things. And um, I was 24 around that time, and you know, even as you're growing up, you're sort of seeing all of these things happening around you, specifically in South Asian culture, that aren't very, um, that are a bit oppressive, specifically towards women. And I would question them, you know. So when I started thinking about why there isn't a safe space, why there aren't spaces at all actually for women, because you know. When you're in Pakistan, public spaces in general aren't very women friendly. You won't see women lying around at dhabas the same way men do. You won't see women now even in concerts because there's this fear of being harassed. Um, there's just so much banter around all of this, but very little action. So since nothing existed, I thought, why not create it? And that's how Soul Sisters Pakistan started. And when it did start, it was very small, very a very small curated group of people who I knew, and who migrated from my other, you know, beauty community. But the second word got out, it just grew exponentially. Not just in terms of numbers, but in terms of conversations that were being held outside of the group as well. I'm not from Pakistan, but I think there are a lot of issues around women that are, you know, pervasive all throughout the subcontinent, whether it's India, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka. So I see yeah. a lot of echoes uh, of those issues, of those problems, uh, from where I come from. So I, I can see that, and I, I see a reflection. Oh, I've seen people go through this. I was lucky enough not to, you know, go through the process, but I had witnessed enough cases to know that they exist for a fact. You know, I think it resonates with a lot of people even outside Pakistan. Absolutely, you know some of these issues that we talk about are global issues, and again, Soul Sisters Pakistan. The name should not mean that it's specifically for Pakistani women. No, it's for anyone who identifies as women, regardless of their nationality, regardless of where they live. The name Pakistan sticks because it originated from Pakistan, but it doesn't have to mean that the audience. Or the community itself is only Pakistani. We have women from across South Asia. We have people from uh, India, Bangladesh, Nepal. We have people who live in the U.S., Turkey, Canada, um, who are who aren't even remotely, you know, associated with South Asia. So um, a lot of the topics we talk about are very global. For example, violence against women isn't specifically. Just something that happens in one part of the world. It happens across the world in many different facets, and um, that's what we want to bring to light. That's the these are the kind of conversations we want to make normal. You know, if some if a woman comes up to you and says something, there should be empathy. There should be um, there should be dialogue around these topics, and that's what was missing. And this is the gap that the community was trying to fill. Uh, so, 
generally this is a strength that when a woman comes and complains about abuse within the family mm-hmm. instead of helping her to get out of the situation people ask her traditionally to have patience and you know forbearance yeah uh, it's basically yeah. like have sabr the word is sabr what do you say to such a uh, situation i say that um i say that patience is not um patience does not mean enduring abuse patience means when there are certain hurdles in your life in your professional life in your personal life you have the capacity to overlook them and be able to move forward but bearing abuse is not what you know is not something that you should uh, associate with patience so um yes this is something that's very common um in south asian cultures to ask the woman to stay to you know um to compromise but it's not the right advice and you know even now despite 7 years of communicating this to people this is still a struggle we go through every time someone posts about abuse there will be a fraction of women who will be coming forward and saying this and it's not their fault it's the conditioning so if you grow up and if you've like lived 30 40 years of your life just hearing this if you've grown up and you've heard your grandmother and your mother glorifying how they've been abused but they sustained their marriage this is the mindset you'll grow up with and it's not your fault that you can't change it within seconds it would take a while for you to be able to break that barrier of conditioning and begin to understand what it is that's best for you and what's best for your gender i i wouldn't really point fingers at the people who still glorify uh, patience because a lot of it has to do with years and years and years of um you know norms and conditioning but i have to say that this is a challenge that we have to continue fighting and that can only be done by meaningful dialogue and collaborative efforts now cole i'm sure you'll agree that telling stories of abuse doesn't always win you fans it can often be met with a lot of resistance and name calling did you ever receive any hate for your work of course i think any woman who stands up for um her gender will receive criticism because we live in a predominantly patriarchal society we everything in our you know society is centered around the benefit of um men and when women speak up and they have a voice it's often you know it scares people you know why how dare she say that how dare she criticize this how dare she create a place where women feel like they're the strongest people on earth that's very unacceptable the fact that you know my community promotes um equality for women is not something that's very easily digestible for a lot of people the fact that i've been able to sustain and monetize my work is not something that people can you know sometimes bear because i mean we all know it's not hidden that when women in our society get successful it does you know make everybody's ears stand up and it does make people a little bit edgy but of course if there are people who dislike you there are 50000 more people who will love you and i think the fact that my work has gotten such immeasurable amount of support in pakistan has just been the the reason why i continue to do this work 7 years later as well because there is a whole army behind me of women who believe in me who support me who love me and who trust me and that's what's important you know 
the people who throw stones eventually get tired and move on but the people who support you are always there at your back so for for me that's what matters but when it comes to trolling and hate and just general um you know assaults um that's just something that you know i think anybody who's in the public eye has to learn to deal with like i even said earlier like eventually they get tired and they move on you know what do you say when people come up with this notion that oh it's people like you who are encouraging divorce in our communities and i've heard that i've heard that i would say that divorce is first of all not a bad word so if you're telling me that you know my community has promoted the concept of divorce i would say yes 100% we do tell women to leave situations where they feel like they're being attacked where they feel like they're being abused or where their safety is being compromised i would never in a million years tell a woman to stay in a marriage where her integrity her rights and her you know sense of self is being compromised can you do that can you do that to your daughter can you do that to your sister maybe some people do promote that but that's not something that i can ever live with if someone comes to me and tells me that you know her husband physically violated her i won't tell her that oh you should go back home and stay with him don't you dare take divorce because divorce is a bad word i would never say that and if that means that my community promotes divorce and so be it there are some stigmas and there are some labels you have to take on your head if there's some sort of change you want to create in society you can't sit complacently and expect that no one is going to point any fingers at you when you're trying to change and significantly change a very big taboo in society yeah it's it's kind of sad that the word divorce is so often used as a bad word i mean it's definitely not a pleasant situation to be in but the way society tends to label divorced women as inherently defective or lacking is just extremely unfortunate i'm so glad that you addressed that this actually brings us to our next question some people are not happy with your narratives they claim that every culture has issues but you're highlighting these stories and this in turn tends to exoticize the pain that that you're somehow perpetuating the western stereotype of a muslim woman as a victim what would you say to them but okay number 1 so if they if they're saying i'm exoticizing it for western culture the show is in urdu and it's meant for a desi audience so how is it catering to the western audiences i don't understand the connect so number 1 i don't think that this is um even factually correct it's in urdu and it's made for desi audiences and yes it's very popular in india as it is in pakistan 46% of my audience comes from india so that's <laughs> so we we got that straight and now moving to point number 2 um that why are we talking about the ills of pakistani society well why not why should everything always be hidden and a taboo when you talk about something when you create meaningful conversation around it that's when you start to understand that it's real otherwise it's always going to be a taboo it's always going to be hidden and it's never going to be recognized so even if it's an achievement and it's not like every episode is about abuse we've talked about multitudes of problems on the show and it's not just women but also men who come on the show right so it's not just about women it's about the society in general and how we can work progressively to make communities safer for everyone
One of the things I notice in Kavil's show is that we don't hear much from her. Most talk show hosts would want to be the next Oprah, the next Ellen, but with Kavil it seems as if she willfully slinks into the background, quietly nodding as her guest talks on. I asked Kavil if that was a deliberate strategy. I think traditionally in the past we've always seen the shows being about the host. but i don't think that it's sh- that it should be that way if we're talking about a talk show where we're listening to someone's story the show, the, the host has to be empathetic it it has to be about the person telling the story it has to i mean similar to how it would be if a guest is coming to your house you if you know what they like to eat you're never going to make what you like to eat you would rather that your guests feel their best they feel at home and then that day is all about them and so for my show it came easy to me i wanted to do something that would challenge the kind of content we see on pakistani television i wanted it to be a good quality production so that it could be replaced it could give women an alternative and it could inspire other people to create similar con- content right when i started off um a lot of people i approached were like you know why would anybody want to listen to stories of regular people you know we we'll, let's have a nice funky talk show where we can where we can have some games and fun and laughter and i was like you know that's not what i want i want the people who are on my community with all these very powerful stories to get a platform where they can publicly share those stories but nobody took the idea and when i got my facebook funding i was like okay so i have this idea since the last so many years and i'm going to now bring that idea to um you know light Was there any episode that was particularly hard for you to do? You know, honestly, all of them were extremely hard, but when it comes to heartbreaking, um the one that really broke me was um Madiha's episode, Madiha Sarver's episode whose husband passed away in the Air Blue crash in 2010. her story was i mean we had to stop recording in the middle because i started crying i was really and we'd heard that story like 50 times before we recorded it because you know obviously we took it on the phone we transcribed it i'd also written her story for a blog before all of that and even when we were editing that story it was particularly hard to you know edit and listen to it again and again and again because it's just like you know the way her story unfolds and what happens is something very unbearable for anyone to hear is there any message that you would like to give young women in canada and in pakistan or wherever they're listening to what is kavalful's take to young women out there the one thing that i just always tell women is to not be scared of using their voice to unapologetically be themselves i know it sounds like super cliched advice but it's not we forget that our voices matter because we're often told to stay silent or to lower them and if we're able to break that barrier of knowing that you know our voices are important that is one of the biggest achievements that you know a woman can have to know that her existence her voice herself matters and that her she she should prioritize herself and not everything in her life has to be calculated according to what others want and what others desire of her and what is expected of her so that is an advice that i often give and um 
yeah, I think that that's what I would say here too. And what advice would you give amateur content creators like me? <laughs> I would say keep creating. There's nothing big or small. There's everything is important and it like I said, your voice matters and it just it deserves to be out there in the world regardless of how it's put across whether it's a podcast, a painting, a drawing, an article, a post, a tweet. it needs to be out there because there's somebody out there who probably needs to hear it and you don't know who it is but if you're able to reach them through whatever channel you choose to take that's you know your job done and that's your job well done i will keep that in mind thank you so much <laughs> you're most welcome thank you so much for being on this podcast it was really nice talking to you If you like this episode, please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts from. We would also love to hear from you. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or just email us at feedback at acrossatable dot com. <laughs>